Hi there, and welcome to Armchair Quarterbacks. Our fifth episode is about Islamophobia. Uh, we're, we have an interview with Noor Javed of the Toronto Star, and uh, we're going to get right to it in a second. But first... We're on the LoonyPolitics.com broadcast network, and we wanted to let you know that to subscribe to Looney Politics, you can save 20% off your subscription, which is already a really good price for a, a Canadian news site, but you can save 20% off with the code armchair, and uh, we hope you'll go to LoonyPolitics.com and support our podcast by using promo code for your Looney Politics subscription. I'm Jonathan Scott, and I'm here with Tara Mahoney, and we're about to be joined by Noor Javid of the Toronto Star to talk about Islamophobia and racism in Canada. Well, we're joined by Noor Javid, who is a uh, reporter for the Toronto Star, focusing on issues within the GTA and the 905. Noor has particularly been covering uh, controversy around racism and Islamophobia at the York Region District School Board and really breaking stories there. So we thought we'd uh, have Noor on to talk about this troubling trend of racism and Islamophobia within Canada and indeed across uh, Western democracies. So, Noor, I guess our first question is, we've been hearing so much about racism and Islamophobia, and it feels like it's increasingly being covered. And I guess we're curious if part of the problem is that Trump has given permission for racists to come out of the shadows, or maybe it's more of a positive where we're actually looking to report on these stories that might have been ignored before. So do you think do you think this is a Trump factor or do you think it's more of us um, peering under the rock and trying to see what these these racists have to say for themselves? Um, thanks for having me on the show first. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think it's a bit of both. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, racism and Islamophobia has always been around. I mean, I've been a journalist um, for uh, over 10 years, 10 years at the Star, but I worked other places before. And, um, you know, I've always gotten hate mail, you know, before it was usually snail mail. Um or the odd email you'd get from someone who happened to see your, my picture because I wear a hijab um, and would send me, like, you know, a mean email or hate. Um, you know, now I think a lot of it is, is social media, right? So the hate's always been there, um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that people of color and black Canadians and Asians would agree with me. But um, I think I think Trump has, in a way, allowed people to um, say things that were not socially acceptable. So openly, I do I do feel like that. I feel like that's the case. Um, and I and I feel like there is just a lot more awareness that these things are not acceptable. So you know, for the most part, the mainstream media is is pushing and is looking to call out people that openly say these things. And in a way. I don't know if shame them, but just to like, you know, enlighten them that what they're saying is not right and not acceptable. Um, so I think it, you're right. I think it is a bit of both. Um, you know, the hate's always been around for sure. I think now there's just more of an awareness of it and more acknowledgement out of it. Like when I was first dealing with the hate, a lot of times I'd have to be like, you know, it's happening, it's happening to me. And people would be like, Oh really? Like it's really happening. And now it's like, we we believe you and we mm -hmm. see it and um so i think there is definitely more of an acknowledgement that it's it's there 
So it's almost like on the one hand, the president of the United States is giving permission, but the media and kind of liberal society is trying to name and shame it at the same time. So it's a reaction, reaction kind of thing. And I and I think people are now seeing it manifest in such violent ways, right? So you can't even ignore the fact that it exists. I mean, you know, the Quebec murder massacre, you know, people being killed left, right, and center in, in the states, all with all the police and you know the Black Lives Movement, you know, the the First Nations um, community and the Aboriginal women, the you know the murdered and missing women. Like you can't ignore these things, right? I mean, this is all of this hate, years of hate, years of racism, years of like discrimination is manifesting in violent ways and you can't ignore those things. Yeah. Um, you know, you can tell people, oh yeah, so people can say, well, it's just your interpretation. But when someone is killed in a mosque just for being Muslim, you can't ignore that, you know? So a lot of those things seem to be, as, um, Jonathan mentioned before, uh, a lot of it seems to be culminating this week, uh, especially in, in, uh, in the GTA at least, uh, and in Canada, um, the debate in Peel over Muslim prayers, motion um, M103, um, et cetera, you know, a couple of them ended with like inclusion uh, policy wise. But um, I'm wondering how do we ensure uh, we're actually going to change people's hearts and minds? You know, the thing about those issues is that it's, you have to wonder like why they have all of a sudden become issues, right? Like, is it, the, the prayer issue, for example, in Peel, like people have been praying in schools, oh, yeah. you know, in their in their own time, 15 minutes during lunchtime or, you know, for decades. It's not a new thing. It didn't happen this year. You know what I mean? And it's not it's never been it's never been an issue because it's been something that's been quietly just done, accommodated, you know, as it should be under the Charter Rights and Freedoms. Um, and it's an accommodation, like prayer and these kinds of things is an accommodation that any student, if they want to, can ask for. Um, and and I'm sure there are specific cases where people might not get accommodated, but I mean, generally, I think the school boards do make an effort to accommodate. So it's just, it, you have to wonder, like, why all of a sudden the, peel, the prayer issue has become an issue. You have to wonder all of a sudden why this motion 103, which is basically, I think from what I read, you know, was NDP had passed it last fall. You know, it's always been supported. Like why all of a sudden? So it, a lot of it has to do with like, who is pushing this agenda that these things are bad, that they're foreign, that it's a Muslim takeover. Like there are certain people that are pushing that whole notion, which is mm-hmm. so, it's so wrong because these oh things have already been in place, right? So um, I think a lot of it, my opinion is that you, I think a, a lot of it is you have to, you can't just look at what people are saying. You have to really kind of think about why are they saying these things now, right? And um, there is this whole, I feel like there is this whole movement of people, I don't know who they are, but they're trying to push this idea that, um, you know, Muslims are getting special treatment, that Muslims are trying to take over, I don't know, like well, several stupid things. Con- several conservative <laughs> leadership, it's so stupid, several conservative leadership candidates um, and people sort of in their periphery have asserted that, um, and it's really dangerous do you think that they and it's have- and it's completely false? I oh mean, my God. like the, the yeah. population of Muslims in Canada is like I don't know, it's like three percent or something. It's not, it's nothing like a takeover category and all of these things that they're, you know, now have become these like, you know, 
you know, the MO3, M103, and like these things have been going, they've been discussed and talked about for so long. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing new in them, right? It's Mm -hmm. kind of like the whole niqab debate that they had in the last election. Like should women who wear niqab be able to vote? Like these are false these are false debates created to, you know, really, I feel like divide people, you know, to politically benefit from them. Like these are, these are not debates that, you know, um, these are not debates that, like a progressive society like ours should be having really, to be honest, because they don't, they don't like, they don't, they don't educate people. They don't bring people together. They really try to divide divide people, you know, and, you know, when I'm reading comments, which I don't do very much these days, but it's like shocking at the level of, um, this ignorance that people have, you know, like people are like fixated on the prayer when I'm like, like, not that I have anything against Catholics, but there's a Catholic school system that we pay right. for through our yeah. taxes, you know, yeah. and, and, um, I went and, to one, which is two. Actually, <laughs> you know, and I have no problem with it. Like, it's fine because, you know, I don't want to because uh, I, you know, I see that they do provide a good education. But if you're really going to go against like religion in schools, you should focus on that first, to be honest. But so we've mentioned a lot of this, like these falsehoods that have been sort of permeating um, and and being encouraged by people with um, a lot of uh, either political or social clout. Um, I'm wondering, like, I don't know the answer to this question. And I don't really know if there is. Like, how do we change the hearts of people who, like, clearly have, like, some really um, deep-rooted hatred? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've i always been, like, optimistic, and I, I really think that I, I do credit, you know, both the federal and the provincial government for trying to, like, address Islamophobia. And, like, and I mean— and not even just address it, but like acknowledge that it exists. Like that's that's the first step, right? So mm-hmm. you know, all I feel I think for a lot of the Muslim community, M one hundred three has been just about like not even like whatever whatever term it's become this big debate, but like it's just about acknowledging that it exists, right? Mm-hmm. Like because for years people and people continue to say it's not a real thing, but it is a real thing. I mean, like I have had so many instances as a journalist. Um, where I've had to deal with a lot of hate, you know, I've had to involve police, I've had to do so many things, and people will acknowledge it's because I'm a visible Muslim. And, like, that—that that is Islamophobia. Like, if people want to challenge me and say there's no Islamophobia, I will tell you there is Islamophobia. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so it's difficult because, you know, like, education is one thing, but, like, how do you really talk to people who are, like, just so... Um, so, so deep in their hate. I don't know. I don't know if there's a way to like, to bridge, you know, you know, because education can help you if you are willing to be educated. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you just really sincerely believe these things, like, I don't know how that's going to change it. Like I, that's why I'm saying I give credit to like, you know, the government who are trying to acknowledge it and say we have to address it and it exists and it's real. Um, Like I hope that, you know, that will sway the vast majority of people. But I just feel like it's really easy right now to hate on the Muslim community and to um, see them as the other, right? And we know we know how dangerous that's been in the past. So it's really, it's more difficult to say, well, actually, you know, they're not the other and they're part of us and they're Canadians, I think. I think it's yeah. becoming more difficult. It's sad to say, but I don't know. I think what that's I find... Yeah. What I find most pernicious is isn't the person who's ignorant and who you know maybe has never met a Muslim because they live in rural Canada. It's the 
it's the educated conservative politician who isn't a racist but wants to pander to racists just to become conservative leader. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that's almost more inexcusable than the person who's just ignorant. The person who tries to capitalize on other people's ignorance is really offensive to me. Um, but uh, one of the things that that kind of leads me to is you were talking about education and, you know, I, I think people often say being exposed to diversity is the best um, way of getting over prejudice. But your reporting on the York Region District School Board is particularly troubling because here's this diverse um, community just north of Toronto. It's uh, has a very proud record of having strong academic record and um, policies around equity. And yet they've had a almost a year-long controversy over institutionalized racism and Islamophobia, principles posting derogatory things about Muslims and it going unaddressed. Um, so I, I guess the challenge is, how is this happening in a diverse region where the school board prides itself on having these equity policies? And if it can happen in a place like York Region, how do they fix it? Because you would think they'd be a poster child for inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a good question, and I think it's a question that will maybe have some answers. Like the the ministry is supposed to issue a report, and you know, uh, investigators in the next few weeks. So I think a lot of people are wondering this exact, you know, what, this exact question because you're right. Like York Region is so diverse, and the people that make up the trustees are pretty diverse. You know, the staff is pretty diverse, but. I think it's one thing to like really push for diversity and equity in a in a foreign institution, and one thing to just use it as like like just to you know give give it lip service, right? And I think for a long time, like my sense of writing about York and really understanding it is that for a long time, like um, the, the board, like the, there was staff, there was a period when staff were really pushing for like a better and deeper understanding of equity. But for whatever reason, the recent regime of whoever runs the board just weren't interested in that. Like they're more interested in like, you know, let's have a holiday, like let's have an event for like Ramadan or Diwali. Like they weren't really under, they weren't really into the actual work that goes into making your organization fully equitable. Um, and I don't know why, like, I, I haven't really figured out why that is. Um, but, and I think, and, and that's, you know, this is what I've, I've come to realize that you can have people who are diverse on a, in, in an organization, but that doesn't mean that they have, that they are open to diversity. You know what I mean? Um, and, and the other challenge I really have, I really believe now is that you, you can't really, I mean, if someone has really deep views, I find that are like not in favor of diversity, um, it's, I don't know how you can even equity train somebody into, you know? So like, I think my hope is that this will though, um, uh, show, you know, organizations like, like your region school boards, which should already be there, but they're not that like, you know, in 2017, in the GTA, you can't just say you're being diverse without actually doing the work, you know? Um, like, for example, in the case of that principal, like, she posted something online on an open, on a public Facebook page that was offensive to Muslims and offensive to people who weren't Muslim, who anyone who would see that, you know, but the person who found it happened to be Muslim. You know, they reported it to the board. They followed the processes this person did that they thought would get, you know, some action. 
the board, for whatever reason, decided not to even really investigate her, right? I mean, this is the thing. You can have all the policies, all the equity policies, all the diversity policies you want. When you don't actually follow them, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, what does that say about your organization, right? So it shows that it's not a priority. It shows that it's, it's, you don't really care about it. So the board, I think, I don't know what went wrong, where they just stopped caring about diversity, but that's really what I think happened there. So... Um, yeah, it's, and it's, it's almost like it's, if you drop the ball, it's hard to pick back up again. Yeah, and you know, and these parents who've been speaking out, like they have for years, um, and this, and we've heard so many stories since. You know, the, the, a child is called the N word, or an Asian child is called, you know, a, a, a derogatory term, and these parents and these students will go to the teachers, will go to the principals, and nothing is done. You know, or there's a black student and he'll be accused of stealing something just because he's black. Like there's things that like you just don't expect to be happening. These are the kinds of things that are happening in York board, right? And and all boards have these problems. I'm not saying it's only York, but other boards, as we've seen with Peel, as we've seen in Toronto, you know, Peel with the prayer issue, like you have to give Peel credit for really coming out strong and supporting diversity. You know, in Toronto with the traveling to the US, they said that you know we don't we don't want any of our students to feel marginalized. Like York is really not up to speed with what other boards are doing on this file. Yeah. You've been covering these issues as a professional, uh, Noor, but you've also faced your fair share of abuse as a Muslim woman in media. Um, how does this inform your reporting, and how can journalism ensure diverse voices report on stories we might otherwise miss? Um, you know, I, uh, I've been in journalism for like a while and I was, I think probably one of the first in Toronto to be like a visible Muslim woman. So like one of the first to wear a hijab, um, and like be working in a main news in a mainstream newsroom. Um, and you know, it's been pretty tough. Like I, I have dealt with my fair share of hate with like campaigns against me, you know, my public editor and I are like really good friends cause she'll get complaints about everything. Like I got, I had this whole hate smear campaign against me after writing about York and the principal. Um, so, I mean, there's like, I have to deal with like a, a lot of, a lot of crap <laughs> that like my colleagues just, just don't. And, um, and, um, I've been really lucky because the, the organization, the Toronto star has been extremely supportive of me. They've supported me. They've always been there. You know, I, I'm constantly in touch with my, my editors and lawyers and stuff about things. So it's it's difficult because you reach a point where you just don't have the energy to take on these difficult stories anymore because like now I have a family I don't you know I don't really want to so it does affect um, it does affect the kind of stories that I want to cover and are interested in covering and I'll pass off stories that I just know are going to get me a lot of hate mm-hmm. so it does really it does affect me um, I know there's a lot of younger Muslim journalists now who are coming out um, and they have the energy to take on these difficult stories. And I think it's just like you, you have the energy, but it does wear you down after a while. Um, And so it's, I think it's, it's unfortunately one of the realities um, of, of being a visible Muslim in Canada still to this day. So um, and I and I and I tell like my colleagues now, and I we've been, we've been having a lot of discussions about hate because of social media and stuff, not just for me, but like just in the newsroom. And I think organizations have to news organizations have to um, be aware that if you are a visible Muslim woman, especially, but if you are a Muslim in general, that you do 
get a lot more um, hate than you do. Like there's just, mm-hmm. my, my organization has just, they've seen it so much now with me that they're like, okay, we, we, you know, what, you know, we, we acknowledge it and we see it and we're here to help you. And I think, I think other organizations, if they want to have like Muslim voices who are willing to like, you know, talk about things that are not only things that are happening just, you know, with the mainstream Muslim community, but like I've always been interested in writing about challenges and issues happening within the Muslim community. Mm. But the problem is that when you're like, you can't even have those really important and needed discussions because you're always like the, you're always dealing with just people hating on you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if people want to have these really interesting, important discussions, um, like they have to be able to, like the organization should be supporting you. Right. So I've always said that, you know, the challenge is, for example, like if you're a young Muslim intern and you're getting hate, you're scared to even tell your seniors because you don't want to be seen as a weak person, right? So the organizations need to see that, they need to realize that, and they need to realize that if they want these diverse voices, they need to support those people. And and build an environment in which they can um, thrive and be safe. Exactly. So I guess just as a final question, building off of that, um, you mentioned some of the things the Ontario and federal government have done uh, with the York Board. Uh, The new chair uh, of the board is a friend of mine, and I think one of her frustrations has been, you know, beyond just statements about inclusivity and trying to uh, demonstrate that you want to affect change. I I mean, the federal and provincial parliaments have passed motions. Uh, What more can government officials and our political leaders do that's uh, more walking the walk than just talking the talk? You know, I, um, I feel like, to be honest, like, I feel like they are doing, they're doing they're doing quite a bit in terms of like I feel like the federal government with you know really supporting um, you know the the MP that was you know pushing for putting forward motion 103 that you know they came out so strongly in support of it provincially they have the anti-racism directorate and even provincially like I was really impressed that when Mitzi Hunter um, met with us and talked to us about the York board like she was very very much affected by the racism story she had heard and Islamophobia like she really focused on that and she was determined like and, and she said that she said you know we can't just have policies that we're not following policies don't mean anything they're just on paper right like so so they have been really committed to that um the board the board i feel like well i, I don't know what's going to happen but the board i feel like they are taking the right steps like they're reaching out to those communities that they should have been reaching out to um you know they're they're putting these equity designates and things into place um, you know, they're trying to like, you know, acknowledge doing the land recognition, things like that, that I think do, um, do mean something because they weren't happening for a long time. But, um, at the board level, I think there's just a lack of trust right now in, in what the board is even doing, um, especially for people of color. So to be honest, I don't really know what more can be done. I feel like there's a lot already kind of in motion. So, um, it'll be interesting because, you know, racism is just one of those things in, in discrimination that I don't think you can, you know, mandate or legally get people to change their minds, right? Like, so it's, it's a kind of an interesting experiment. Like, even the anti-racism directorate, like, you know, he has a three-year plan. I'm like, okay, well, what will happen after three years, right? Like, so it's kind of like you can't really, you can't really, like, force people to change their views. So it's kind of an interesting experiment, I think. I yeah. <laughs> don't know. So I guess it's just just keep trying mm-hmm. because we can't afford to stop. 
Yeah, I think keep trying. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm not giving you any real kind of conclusive <laughs> um, things to move forward. I, I don't mean to be all negative, but like, no, no. you know, I think, you know, I think it's, I think, you know, I've seen a lot of, lots of change like in, in, in the news industry. Like there's a lot more voices from diverse backgrounds. That's a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. People are willing to like listen and have these conversations, which was never happening before, right? And the biggest thing, actually, I should actually say is that I feel like there's a lot more solidarity. Like after Donald Trump won, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was really worried as a Muslim and, but then I realized, you know what, I'm not alone in my worry, right? There's like, you know, oh, LGBT are being targeted, you know, Hispanics and Jews. And, and it was like, you know, it took like, I think there was a vandalism case in Ottawa where a synagogue was, um, was vandalized. And, you know, I, I was so, I felt so bad. And it was right after Donald Trump had won, I think. And I felt so bad. So I called, I called up the synagogue, right. Just on my own, like not as a reporter, but Mm -hmm. just as like a citizen of the world. And I said, you know, I, I read about your, your synagogue and uh, I'm so sorry this is happening. Like, I, I just wanted to say I'm so sorry. And, you know, if there's anything I can do and, like, just want to tell you that the Muslim community supports you or one member of the Muslim community supports you and is, you know, is standing with you. And, like, woman was, like, almost in tears and she was so moved. And she said that, like, thank you so much for calling. And you know what? We're in this together. And, like, it just made me – and I think that's what made me realize that, like, you know, there is – there are haters and there are people who hate everyone. Mm-hmm. But there is, like, a strong group of people who are who are in solidarity who are being oppressed who are feeling marginalized and and people who aren't like they're supporters and i think like we have to kind of just remember that there are probably a lot of those people out there who are quiet right um and i just i am optimistic like i feel there is this solidarity that wasn't there before there is this acknowledgement that wasn't there before there is this like understanding or attempted understanding that wasn't there before right and and, you know, it, it, it gives me some hope. I mean, you get worried when you see all the stuff with, the, you know, the U.S. and Trump and stuff. But, like, I, I do think that there will be, like, I think that these discussions will, you know, I think they will pave the way, hopefully, for, like, just more kind of um, peace, right? I mean, the fact that Peel reacted the way it did and mm. the province did, like, I think those are good things. But that's just me. I part, love so. that story. <laughs> I love that story about the synagogue. It's, that's amazing. Nor, it's been lovely to speak with you. Thank you for lending your voice to this issue and continuing to do the important work you do. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much. So that was Noor Javed, a reporter with the Toronto Star, covering um, lots of issues, but one of them, um, um, Islamophobia and um, issues in the Muslim community. Um, I thought that was um, really enlightening and also a little bit uplifting. She said that she was uh, negative, but she it also she also seemed a little bit optimistic in the sense that she was talking about how you know there's a lot more acknowledgement of Islamophobia and um, a lot more people are standing in solidarity with um, Muslim people um, around these issues, um, which you know made me feel a little bit more hopeful myself. Um, you know, just that she feels that way. Um, and you know, that she thinks that there's probably a lot more people who, you know, don't think that, you know, people who practice Islam are evil (laughs) and, um, like that they want to impose Sharia law on Canada. We just hear about, we hear a lot about, you know, these horrifying stories in the news a lot and it's discouraging and sad 
and I think it's easy to get bogged down by that, but I think she's right when she says that there's probably more people, at least in this country, who don't believe, who who would stand in solidarity with our Muslim friends and neighbors. Yeah, I mean, something my roommate um, said after Trump won was that there's an element to which this is the last gasp of an old white racist America rearing its head for one final time and the notion that it's always dark, darkest before the dawn and all these people are going to be exposed to mm-hmm. what it's like to have a white supremacist whose chief advisors and neo-Nazi in the White House. I mean, that's horrifying, but at the same time, the guy's p- approval rating is the lowest of any president in history, not even two months into the job. So I, I think you're right. We're, um, we're seeing what Nor called solidarity and a lot of people trying to say, not on my watch. Um, so in, in a way, it's almost like it's forced some of these things up from the underground. And mm. it, hopefully this is this is our way of kind of um, eradicating it yeah. at least as much as you ever can. Yeah. There, I want to say that, you know, there were, there were maybe like 20 people picketing outside the Masjid Toronto uh, here um, uh, a couple weeks ago, there were some, some bigots with some signs, uh, mm-hmm. saying very nasty things about Muslim people. Um, and then like a couple weeks after that, there was a very much larger group picketing outside the same place, the masjid, um, standing in solidarity with them, like saying, we support you. We love you. You're welcome here all that stuff. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that just like the number of people that showed up for that, like just in comparison with the number of people who showed up for the bigot one, that just makes me hopeful and feel a little better. I hate that those people exist. Like it, it bothers me of course. And I, I'm sure it bothers lots of other people. Um, and you don't want to believe that it is in some ways you don't want to believe that they are around, you know, it, cause it's such an ugly expression of humanity, but, um, of a part of humanity. But I think that, um, at least here, like, I think the numbers of people who are support, um, who support, uh, you know, Canadians like Muslim Canadians and, uh, refugees and p- permanent residents is larger. Yeah, and I think that's uh, something that's been really inspiring is the amount of Canadians who consider it a part of our identity to yeah. welcome Syrian refugees, mm-hmm. and uh, people who people in Europe who look to Canada as this multicultural mosaic and exemplar. And so when when we do have you know assholes who do racist things, and and we're so ashamed of them and call them out. Uh, it's important, I suppose, to also remember that we seem we do seem to do it better than a lot of the world and are looked to by a lot of the world, but that doesn't mean we're perfect and no. we have to keep fighting it. Um, I mean, even um, even in London this week after the terrorist attack, the, the prime minister was very careful to list the nationalities of the victims of the terrorist attack because, you know, London is this cosmopolitan city. Um, Mm -hmm. the attacker was British. Most of the victims were from all over the world. Uh, And Fox News was saying, you know, London's in panic and terrified. And Londoners were saying, sod off, you idiot. We're we're going about our business. Yeah, we're Um, fine. (laughs) 
And I, I mean, I think people are also realizing that those people who might have been afraid of Muslims because of what they'd read on the news about terrorism are now hearing things like um, Seamus O'Regan, the, the Newfoundland MP, read a St. Patrick's Day statement about how, you know, when, when his family came to Newfoundland generations ago, the Irish were the, the you know, the, the terrorists of the day who were mm-hmm. bringing disease and evil Catholic values. And, mm-hmm. you know, throughout history, the other has been so many different people, mm-hmm. uh, Jews in the 1930s and 40s, certainly. Um, and Noor mentioned how there's solidarity right now amongst Jewish and Muslim Canadians mm-hmm. because they're both victims of the Trump neo-Nazi alt-right movement. Um, mm-hmm. So is- I, I just, yeah, I just thought that whole notion that like every generation has to go through a different, this is the other fear him. And mm-hmm. the forces of like liberal decent society are saying, Oh, do we really have to do this again? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of numbers that say young people are much more, much more progressive on this issue, much more uh, willing to um, accept um, and like, or they, or they are encouraging of, uh, you know, uh, diversity and inclusivity, um, both here and in the United States. Those numbers are like, you know, among young people, they're much, uh, they're much greater. So yeah. I also tend to think that like, you know, this older generation of people who are like really, who are bigots, like, you know, they're, they're not going to be here <laughs> like one day and hopefully, um, you know, we'll have what, when, when, if we have that of our generation, you know, um, the Trump of our generation, it'll be much more, uh, uh, if, if it happens, it'll be much more, um, mediocre, if you know what I mean, like sort of. Yeah. But I, I also think some of those like, you know, white rural working class Trump voters, a lot of them have had a bit of a, I guess like a come to Jesus moment where they've said, okay, I, I'm not cool with all that. Like let the trans kid go to the bathroom. I don't want to pick on a, a 12 year old or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. There, there is this kind of element of, I didn't sign up for all of that shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like the health no. healthcare stuff. Um, right, exactly. Really interesting. I want and to get I into... Mean, oh, go ahead. I think we're on the same page because I want to get into M103. Yes, Just exactly. to say that, um, you know, that the nonsense that's been spread... Uh, there's an article in Vice, I think, by Drew Brown. I haven't read it all, but just the first paragraph, he's talking about, like, as soon as M103 was passed, the RCMP swooped in to steal my bacon and make me bow towards Mecca. Like, the hyperbolic bullshit that was spread about a motion to condemn Islamophobia, you know, when conservatives voted in favor of it last year, they vote in favor of motions to condemn anti-Semitism routinely. Um, It's just... I think we need to be very direct and blunt that the hysteria was whipped up to sell memberships for Kelly Leach Mm -hmm. and to fund Ezra Levant or whatever his name is, Mm -hmm. business model with his Breitbart North rebel media venture. I mean, these people, I do not necessarily think they themselves are racist, as I was saying to North. It's that they think there's a capitalistic rationale to be racist, to sell party memberships, to sell subscriptions to a website. And that is so twisted and so transparently just 
like that is, I think, more evil than mm. being a uh, person who might be ignorant because you, you know, you're old and you've never met a Muslim person mm-hmm. and you're, and you're nervous, like mm-hmm. trying to capitalize on, on people's like very on people's fear. Yeah. It's disgusting and, and to sell $10 party memberships to win a few more votes in a conservative race or to send mm-hmm. $10 website subscriptions. I mean, Ezra has um, been getting it from both sides because one of his, Oh my God. I don't, I, McGinnis. Yeah, I don't know what to call him. He's not a reporter. He's like a former but, vice uh, guy. Like he, he found yeah. the vice, right? So Gavin he goes McInnes. to is he goes to Israel with Ezra and Faith and the gang, mm-hmm. and then records an anti-Semitic like, and not just anti-Semitic like the Jews killed Jesus and caused oh my god no the Treaty of Versailles type like they they are respons he said they were responsible for the death of millions of Ukrainians, like Jews personally were. Because of Karl Marx. Like yeah. it was like the greatest hits of 1930s German propaganda. Oh my, yes, exactly. And then, uh, he, and then he did a video after saying, oh no, like I don't actually think that. But he said all these things in this, in this 10 things, he called it 10 things I hate about Jews. And then he renamed it to 10 things I hate about Israel. And he talked about how they were obsessed with the Holocaust and how he was like, oh, and you know, like, I know the Holocaust was bad, but like, come oh, on. Think? Yeah. It's like, so, Jesus, I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Who was incidentally a Jew. <laughs> um, but, uh, I just, it just, it just appalls me that your business model is capitalizing on hate. And I mean, there was that Beaverton article where it's like Ezra's sure that this time, uh, neo-racist Nazis aren't going to boomerang back on the Jews because that's never happened before. I'm butchering their headline. It was much funnier. But, like, at the same time, there's that Woody Allen clip where he's like, there's some Nazis about to march in Jersey. We should meet them with bricks and bats. And someone else says, I think it's satirical pieces that mm-hmm. really fight Nazis. And Woody Allen's like, no, with Nazis, I think baseball bats do the trick. <laughs> um, you know, here's what I, and here's what I want to say about um, Ezra Levant. Ezra Levant is getting his own medicine served back to him in this Gavin McInnes stuff because Ezra Levant has gone around for years preaching this fear of the other, like why we should be afraid of Muslims and how like Muslims, like these outsiders, they're bad and they're going to like take all of our, they're going to like, you know, they're going to kill us all and make us like... uh, uh, like uh, we're, they're going to put us under Sharia law and all this stuff. And it's coming back to bite him in the ass because when you whip up that fear of the other, of any other people apply that same logic to other others. So you have right. like this whole movement of, you have this whole part of Ezra's movement, which is a big problem for him. That is anti-Semitic. And I would argue that he created part of that, like in his, in his, you know, in his well, giving it a platform. Yeah, exactly. Well, he gave it a platform, but he's also, do you understand what I'm saying? Like he, he, by, by, by whipping up fear about Muslims, he also allowed like people to whip uh, up fear about other people of other, uh, you know, racial or cultural or religious denominations. Yeah. And I think, again, I think that the guy ought to know better. Yeah. Right. Um, the other part of this too is, uh, I don't get, um, there was this guy, 
going back and forth with me on Twitter last night, and I can't believe I stayed as long as I did. But this idea that I have to define Islam by the most extreme, perverted Mm -hmm. interpretation of Islam, but how dare you mention the KKK? How dare you, you know, point out that Mike Pence, who defines himself as a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order, supports torturing LGBT kids Mm -hmm. and denying women fundamental rights to the point where he treats women as second-class citizens, Mm -hmm. to the point where that when he wants to take away women's health care, he does it in a room of white men only. Mm -hmm. Like, Mike Pence, I don't think, is even the most pernicious example of Mm -hmm. a Christian bigot. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there are extremists in every religion, but can you imagine if we define Christianity based on the white supremacist or or the fundamentalists like like some of the like extreme fundamentalists yeah and, violent and stats suggest that white supremacists kill more people in North America than any Muslim extremist mm. um, and you know just this week a white supremacist killed a black man in Manhattan and it, again it was one of those stories where it was reported as like well-dressed clean-cut white dude kills black man with a history of homelessness. So the the so visible probably minor- justified. Well, yeah, the visible minor- minority is always treated derisively because it's the minority and we feel like we can punch down to people, I guess, whereas the white guy, it's you know, when when Richard Spencer gave the Nazi salute in support of Donald Trump, newspaper outlets reported on how well dressed he was. Because heaven forbid that the Nazis have their uniforms designed by Hugo Boss. Oh, my God. Um, And it it just frustrates me that uh, we're at this point where people ought to know better, but they see a base of political or financial support to pander to, and they go right at it. And, you know, like, Jonathan, and I've said this to you before off air, uh, like, there's a lot of things that are f- repulsive about that behavior, especially by, uh, like, politicians or people with, like, clout, like Ezra Levant. Like, th- there's lots of things that are repulsive about that, um, like, intrinsically. Like, But if you're thinking about it from a selfish standpoint, how do these people not think that they're going to be on the wrong side of history? You know? Like, how do these people think that they're going to be looked back, like, they're, like, in the you know, when people talk about them in history, which, like, they probably won't, but if someone talked about them in history, like, how do they think they're going to be sh- talked about in a positive light? Like, even from a selfish perspective, yeah. like, it's dis- it's like, it's I don't understand it. Like, like that's not a good reason for, you know, being inclusive. Like, there's, you know what I mean? You understand what I mean, though. It's like, like, why are you... Yeah, I you guess, sound like an asshole. And, and this is where I, I guess I'd make the distinction between the collaborators and the true believers. Like, I, I have no doubt that some of these people think, legitimately believe that we need a second crusade or a modern day crusade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's the people who want to sell magazine subscriptions to those people. And, you know, who. The guy who collaborates and tries to profit from bigotry, in my mind, is almost worse than the bigot. Mm -hmm. Because because I guess one is a person who's misguided or evil, depending on the situation. The other is someone who knows better and chooses to, yeah, or mentally ill, 
quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And the other is the person who knowingly says, well, whatever, I see the opportunity to profit from this. Mm -hmm. Which is like, and I want to emphasize again, like why I think what Kelly Leach and a lot of several other conservative party candidates are doing is disgusting. And like, and I don't think that, like, I don't have to be like a, you know, a politically correct, like liberal or, you know, leftist to, you know, uh, to think that like, it's, it's scary, like what they're doing. And I'm worried. Are we being annoying political correct liberals right now? I'm trying well, to be self-aware. <laughs> heaven forbid, someone accused me of having white guilt last night. And I was like, is that just conservative for empathetic? <laughs> um, anyway, I, I guess the point to end on is I have to hope that for the Kelly Leaches of the world, even if they become conservative leader, I don't think this is a platform upon which they can become prime minister. No. Because when Harper even yes. flirted with Islamophobia, after a decade of courting mm-hmm. ethnic Canadians, mm-hmm. it turned around and bit him in the bum. Yeah. And he was out on his bum. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should leave it there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to say before we go, like, I think, you know, Noor, we asked Noor, like, what, what, like, the average person can do to, you know, show leadership for equity and diversity. And I think that what she said sort of um, indirectly was like encouraging us to talk about this, you know, with our relatives, with our friends, right? Like just, I think talking about it is, I think it's really important. Um, so, you know, if you liked what you heard today or you've like saw, or you heard something that you thought was like important, you know, share it with people around you. Cause you know, we need, we need people talking about this, uh, uh, to, to start to break the, crust of this disgusting uh xenophobic stuff that's all the time we have for today uh please follow us at armchair qb pod i'm at j underscore scott underscore and tara is at tara t mahoney m-a-h-o-n-e-y so please uh follow us on twitter as well as subscribing to the show in itunes or soundcloud rating us and uh telling your friends so we can help grow the audience thanks everybody 